I'm going to keep the comments All right, there... up. Yeah, here we go, everybody. We are live. Welcome to Pastrami Nation. We are the meetup pop culture. My name is Nolan Smith. I'm the editor here. And welcome to our podcast. Uh, sorry we had to postpone last week, but we are back and we want to talk about the best of 2021. Yeah. But in order to do that, we have to have a podcast crew. So let me introduce our crew real quick. We have fellow co-founder of Pastrami Nation, Jason Smith. Hi, everybody. We have our entertainment editor at Pastrami Nation, Mr. Kevin Hoskinson. Hey, everyone. And then we have, once again, uh, we have our guest, Brandon Trodway from the Cinemas Podcast joining us. Welcome, I'm sir. I'm back. Hey, it Welcome. feels so good to be back. Thank you so much for having <laughs> me like back. like having you. Uh, we appreciate you being here. So we do have a lot to talk about today, a lot. But first, I want to remind everybody that... You can win free Apollo Burger food right here. So if you're in the high desert, Apollo Burger is like the best burger place out here. And they have a sandwich named the Pastrami Nation, which Jason I did not know this. Creating. Yeah. Yes. So and it, it's made of grilled cheese, grilled cheeses for the buns. Each bun is Pastrami, a grilled cheese chili. Family. Right. And it's, it's this mammoth, Damn. like almost like a food <laughs> challenge sandwich. And. They they named it after you know us and we're so we're so grateful for that. So we yeah. are giving away a combo um, for that. So you get fries and that massive pastrami nation uh, sandwich. And all you have to do, we're going to do this old school. Just leave a comment. That's all. Drop a comment by Sunday. Uh, we're going to give you till eight p.m. Pacific Standard Time Sunday. I'll post up a graphic saying who won, and then we'll get you that combo. So That's once again, thank you to Apollo. Oh, yes. <laughs> you got it. You have to try this. I know Kevin almost did. Next time Kevin's out here, he, he's yeah. he's going to. Ha- yeah. He has to. So um, all you got to do is drop that comment. Be a part of the conversation. We want to know, just like we're going to talk about, we want to know what you thought was best of 2021. So let's go ahead and jump into this. We got some people saying hello. We have, oh, we have my wife. Hello. hello um, and then we have uh, Pablo and Sarah Mendoza. Hello there. And let's go ahead and I'm going to I'm going to jump to the to the other topic real quick because it's only one list. And then we're going to jump into the top movies and you're going to have four lists. You're going to have one for each of us. So first, let's talk about best of 2021 action figures. So this is something that me and Jason, this is our wheelhouse. You know, we grew up off of action figures. We. We have just such a huge appreciation for the sculptors. Because we didn't have a lot companies. of them growing up, so you yeah. know, right? So this, you know, when we when we got to you know working adults, you know, we're like, hey, we can do this. We can buy whatever we want. So here we go with what we want to see, what we saw in the 2021 best of list. I'm going to try a share screen. As many of you know, that doesn't work all the time, <laughs> but I'm going to try it. Um, I practiced it. I think it's going to work. I think it's gonna work. All right, so we're gonna go through the list, and can everybody see my my chart? Yes. Yep. All right, so this is our best of 2021 action figures. So I'm gonna start at number five down there, and Jason, can you take number five? Number five is the uh, NECA uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Ground Chuck and Dirt Bag Two Pack. I mean, yeah, those guys those- are cool. Yeah, those guys are awesome. Like, I remember I had the original one as a kid, the original ground chuck, and I believe my brother had Dirtbag, which is the mole character. Well, as we know, NECA yeah. likes to blow stuff, like, out of the water, you know. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they gave us this new two-pack. It's basically, like, you got another Bebop and Rocksteady, which was 
I remember that episode when Shredder uh, sent Bebop and Rock City to find some animals. Oh, yeah. I remember like, that. Uh, some new mutants, and it ended up being a bull and a mole. And NECA has not uh, let us down yet. Um, the action features on these guys, uh, it's so over the top. It's, I mean, the dirtbag figure comes in, he, he separates, and he comes with like a like a ground drilled base. So it looks like he's coming out of the ground, you know? Like, how cool is that for an action feature? It is and cool. Just all the millions of accessories they come with, like just alternate hands galore, uh, weapons. Uh, what I, I mean, out of all the NECA stuff that has come out for Ninja Turtles, I think this one took it for me, you know, just because of the nostalgia value of it. Uh, I remember going to Toys R Us, grabbing those figures back in the 90s, whatever, when we were kids, and it's like, Wow, they released a two-pack of those guys, and I remember I was so excited for it. It was a brand-new mutant that we got, you know? That's cool. Did you guys see the uh, – who made the – did you guys see the Cobra Kai Ninja Turtle sets that they had? Yeah. The Playmates? Yeah. Was that Playmates? That was yeah. Playmates, yeah. Yeah, those ones actually look pretty cool too. Yeah, Playmates well, is a good I, Ninja Turtle, but I think NECA they still – do. Well, because Playmates did the original, right? So Playmates they they retain that license, but NECA, like like Jason was saying, they NECA blow everything out of the, the water. Park, yeah. Oh yeah, they do. So I know that was a tough pick right there because they released so many great Ninja Turtle products this year. But there's your number five, Jason. Can you take number four, and then I'll take the next two. Number four, we got the uh, McFarland Toys Violator, uh, just a mammoth beast of a figure. What is this guy like? Thirteen inches tall, fully articulated. It is insane. Yeah, weighs a ton. Violator. I mean, if you guys remember back, the first Violator we got in the '90s was that bendy uh, figure that bent up and fit inside the actual oh, yeah. body, which was cool for its time, you know. But like, you always wanted the monster version, and they've put out some decent ones, but this one just—I mean, fully articulated in that bulk, like no skinny arms there, you know. Mm. Uh, this thing's just a monster. Uh, I remember I got this thing. I found it at Target. Uh, this guy had to weigh like at least three pounds. Like that is a big figure. <laughs> right. And it's so cool to see the return of spawn to action figures, yeah. you know, and the um, detail McFarland toys just right. You know, cause McFarland, they, Jason and I have followed them since Todd toys and they've ramped it up every time they got the DC license and they knocked it out the park. So mm. bringing back spawn and you know, you have, they've released gunslinger spawn violator redeemer, um, and they're just these amazing versions of the figures that, you know, growing up, we remember seeing like, oh, cool, you know, a spawn figure. And he had like a board with a nail in it. And, this and now here you have. Whew, yeah, well, this, I'd like to add this violator. I want to say is, if not the first violator with an actual turnable pivoting head, you know, like, remember, it was always the head was kind of just fused with the body and the mouth would always open. But this one, the head actually turns too, and it makes it that much creepier. Right. No, it's a really good pick. Um, and it's, it's a hard one to figure out, you know, with out of McFarlane, like what was really the best that they came out with. But this absolutely, yeah, it was it was their best product they came out with this year. I mean, their Princess Bride figures are pretty awesome, too. Um, and their Swamp yeah. Thing. Their yeah. Swamp Thing is awesome. But, yeah, um, yeah. okay, I'll take number three. So number three, it was a late addition to the year. Um, so it's from the Four Horsemen. So the Four Horsemen toy design uh, company they've worked with so many companies in the past McFarland being one of them and then they broke out and made their own their own company and they decided to make this line called mythic legions 
mythic legions as like knights and uh you know dragon warriors and really cool horses um well for december they did a surprise drop and they made a krampus figure so this figure went up for sale in the fall and shipped out in december and this thing is so so cool it's um a smaller little seven smaller seven inch scale figure comes with so many cool accessories the basket on the back um a really awesome box that actually folds out to make um like a backdrop with the snow with the snow and whatnot like the one you see in the picture um that's cool they they have put out such amazing things and again this was hard to figure out like i want to put it a mythic legion but there's so many great ones um but krampus won hands down for our number three well um, they released them as a a holiday special surprise figure and i'm so mm-hmm. glad it was krampus because it could have went very wrong like <laughs> a big barbarian santa claus with like a candy cane sword <laughs> that would have been silly. funny though yeah, I would have probably bought it anyway, but yeah, you know. But this is so much better than that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number two is actually when the Jason reviewed that photo right there is from Jason. It's the Sentinel Miles Morales uh, into the Spider Verse figure uh, distributed that by Blue cool. Finn. And if you're looking for a Miles Morales figure, this is the best one on the market. Um, it comes with interchangeable parts to where not only you swap out the head, you can put his hoodie on, you can put his shorts on, you can put his uh, sneakers on. Um, he comes with the, a hand that with the graffiti um, with the spray can in it. You can do so much with this guy. Um, Sentinel is known for making more die cast figures. Um, so to see this one pop out, it was a real surprise. And it caught everybody by surprise so much that you can't find it anymore. Um, but don't worry. It's, it is coming back. Bluefin did say they're going to be bringing it back within the next few months. So I would recommend tracking this down when it gets re-released because Spider-Verse is just going to keep blowing up. And this is hands down the definitive Miles Morales figure. And, as I said, Jason did a review on this. You're more than welcome to go onto pastramination.com and search for the review. Uh, tons of awesome photos, him up against the Kingpin, um, him doing that kind of classic Spider-Man no more uh, pose. So, yeah, it had to take our number two. But for number one, now, I'm going to turn this over to Jason, of course, but I think growing up we all wanted super articulated, cool dinosaur figures. Yeah, and what we got was, you know, we got the, the Staction pose ones where they just stuck, but they were cool. They were usually like well, a PVC kind of rubber, a hard rubber figure of like a T-Rex in its usual stance or Triceratops, you know, or the Brontosaurus with the head turned around looking back. Mm-hmm. You know, those were those were what we got as dinosaurs. But, uh, I mean, this is, there's been some articulated dinosaurs out there, but never on this level and this level of detail, like. To me, this is like Creative Beast. Uh, they have just created basically the masterpiece version of a dinosaur figure. I mean, I, I got one right here. I mean, look at this guy. This is a different one. This is I just got this one. This is the Sinoceratops. I mean, just look at the detail on this guy. Cool. Does then, it have like, a battle damage like the Jurassic Park? Where they no, it should, oh, shoot, shoot off the side. Did, but, I mean, he makes up for... That would be cool. Lack of accessories, different. Look at the articulation; like, it just goes every like. Oh, that's crazy! Yeah, you can, you can turn him every which way. Uh, move his legs. 
Like you can make this guy sit like a dog, basically, like a dog waiting for you. <laughs> like that's that's how good that articulation is. And right, there's... these are beasts of the Mesozoic uh, line for, like you said, for Creative Beast Studio. David Silva, who we've had on the podcast, um, he he is known for sculpting so many figures that we've all known and loved. Like in the past, I don't know, ten or fifteen years, um, he did a lot of NECA work, and now we get the these amazing dinosaurs and for number one it's that's the styracosaurus uh right there and yeah, that again was a hard one look at that yeah I mean, he's done in battle cat colors pretty much you know like <laughs> right and to me styracosaurus was always more badass than triceratops because he had that one central big spike just going up whereas triceratops had the two horns and the one little horn uh to me, Styracosaurus was always more awesome, and like you were lucky if you could even find that. Um, and they did the whole what Ceratopsian line after they did the Raptors, which was basically almost pretty much every species of Triceratops type creature that ever existed, from like the well-known Triceratops and Styracosaurus, and then you get some like like weird ones like this, like this is the Ineosaurus. I mean, look at. When's the last time you've seen a museum with like, I mean, they found pieces of uh, fragments of these skeletons, but like not your typical Ceratopsian dinosaur. This is guy like they've done and there's different ones with different heads. And it's just like, wow, like, like to me, it's like I'm a, I'm a kid all over again because I used to read about all the different kinds in books that there were. And David Silva That's basically awesome. brought them all to life with Creative Beast. And he's doing T-Rexes next. It's like, I can't wait for that. Right. And we know that's coming soon. Dragons are coming soon, which he, he told us right here on the podcast. Uh, so there we I'm have a, a ton of ton of things to look forward to with that. But that is our number one, Creative Peace Studios. Um, the Styracosaurus, you can find those on yeah. Create, the Creative Beast website. But you got to check them out. You really do. Um as part of our uh, brief intermission, I'm going to look at the comments really quick um, and see what we got. We have people say that we have somebody say that violator. Yeah. Um, somebody put best I've seen in uh, 2021 NECA's universal monsters, black and white Frankenstein. Oh, I agree. Oh, that was my wife. Yeah, I completely agree <laughs> that that Frankenstein is so amazing. Um, let's see. We have Contos. Hello, Contos. Um and I don't know what Contos is saying about shorts. I'm going to keep going. He's, he's see, Rich Frank it. didn't pick up. He is. Um, that was in Jason... reference to the Miles Morales figure. Oh, whew, okay. Because I was like. <laughs> said you can wear uh, those shorts. But they're too small. <laughs> but I can try. And then we have Jason Bean, of course. So um, Jason Bean, uh, welcome, as always. Huge supporter of us. We really appreciate it. Um, I'm going to drop it in the chat. A really cool link. I just want to plug this really quick before we jump into the movies. Uh, there's a really cool Indiegogo campaign out right now for Nora Saga from uh, Allegiance Arts. It just started yesterday. And Allegiance Arts started off a small comic company on Kickstarter. And then all of a sudden they were in Walmart. Like what? literally in yeah. Walmart, which is shocking. Um, well, they released three issues of each of their books. But then distribution really got wonky. And I think COVID is to blame for a lot of it. Uh, so they launched this Indiegogo campaign to finish the story. So Nora's uh, Nora Saga is like a steeped in Norse mythology. 
I implore you to go check it out. Click the link. It's running for, I want to say, a little over a month. But this is your chance to jump on a really cool project. So check that out when you get the chance. All right. As always, keep commenting. You can win a uh, Paulo Burger Pastrami Nation combo. But, mm. but it's time. It's time yes. to talk about our top five movies of 2021. And each one of us has our own list, and I bet you they're very different. So um, with Brandon being the guest today, yes. I would like to ask him to go first. And All right. go for it, sir. The floor is yours. All right, so I'm going five down to one, right? Yep. Yes. Five down to one. All right. <clears throat> um, so this this list was really hard to, to work down. Um, yeah. Uh, if you follow me on any platform, you know I put out my 21 best movies piece um, on mm -hmm. cinemas.net. Um, I watched uh, 82 movies that released in 2021 last year. And Ooh. so trying to pick five of those 82 hard. Um, was rough. Trying to pick 21 for my for my piece that I wrote was rough. <laughs> um, a couple movies that I, I just want to mention that didn't quite make the list, uh, but I want to cheat and mention them as an <laughs> honorable mention, so to speak. Um, the Harder They Fall on Netflix um, is a movie that I just I wanted to put on this list to just talk about it. Um, it's a Western. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> with, with an all black cast, Idris Elba, yeah. uh, Jonathan Majors, Regina King, Zazie Beetz. Um, <laughs> one of the most like fun visually movies of the like fun visual movies of the year uh totally caught me by surprise yeah. uh and just an absolute blast um malignant one of my favorite movies of the year didn't quite make my list um but gosh dang it if that wasn't my favorite horror movie of the year dude malignant movie, really like malignant would be my number six yeah i, I think it, it might was, be mine too a movie yeah. that i i figured out about 20 minutes in um, but by the end, I just didn't even care. I was having so much fun watching that mm -hmm. thing that I was like, this movie freaking rules. Um, and mass, uh, this is the one that almost was number five, just an absolute like behemoth of a, of a, an emotional roller coaster. Um, the less you say about it, the better, but it's so good. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So now, now that I'm done cheating, number five, uh, <laughs> is, is not quite a, it's it's part a movie part a stand-up special uh yeah. but easily the thing that i watched the most in 2021 i saw it five times and that's bo burnham inside uh yes. on netflix this uh calling this thing a stand-up special is just not doing it justice to what this is um for anyone who has not been on the internet in 2021 uh inside is a special that bo burnham was kind of piecing together but he decided to kind of document slash perform slash do the whole thing in one single room over the course of the year or pandemic and uh it is incredibly funny and yeah. it was kind of painful to watch. I mean, you watch him slowly disintegrate over the course of this film. And there's kind of this like auteur thing going on where you're like, am I watching his something real or am I watching something that is acting 
but it doesn't really matter because it spoke so well to what the feeling of the quarantine and pandemic felt like for so many mm-hmm. of us that it was just um i was overcome the first time i saw it. it it just blew me away um every song is hilarious but the thing that really tops this thing for me is um bo burnham's direction in this thing is stellar Outstanding. Uh, which is why i feel like calling it a special is just unfair i mean the he does everything himself he wrote it shot it performed it edited directed all of it one man one room and it's it's truly astounding if you've not seen inside i cannot recommend this highly enough uh it could easily be number one but this i because it's not a true film yeah number five i struggled with that one too that one was pretty close to being in my top five but then i was like i'm not sure how much i could count it as a move as much as i wanted to Mm-hmm. I was tough, like not putting it in there. It was kind of on the cusp as well for me. But yeah, there's a song in there about turning 30 and I turned 30 during the <laughs> pandemic. So I was like, geez, this is hitting close. I mean, uh, I think Bo Burnham and I are about like a month apart. So it's him crazy. singing about yeah. what it's like to turn 30, but also during a pandemic when you can't spend that with people. And he's just like, yay, is it <laughs> ouch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um all right number four uh is probably the movie on this list that i have thought about the most since watching it and that is jane campion's uh the power of the dog also on a lot about it uh if this this could very well win best picture this year uh this is going to be a big contender in a lot of categories um not only is the story awesome and really, really good and really interesting. Uh, but it's so well directed. Like Jane Campion is amazing. Um, mm-hmm. if she also did the piano, but it's been a long time since she made a film. So she comes out with the power of the dog. Uh, it's about uh so Benedict Cumberbatch is in this, Jesse Plemons, uh Kristen uh Kirsten Dunst, um, and uh Aaron Smith McPhee is in this as well. And uh it's about a cattle rancher. Um Benedict Cumberbatch and his brother, Jesse Plemons, who have this cattle ranch and they're doing their thing. And just almost out of the blue, his brother marries Kirsten Dunst kind of in town. And so her and her son played by Aaron Smith McPhee end up moving to their cattle ranch and start living on, on the ranch. And uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's character is trying to kind of grapple with the fact that he doesn't really have his brother anymore. Cause his brother now is dealing with, having a family. And so because of that, there's this tension between Cumberbatch and Dunst characters. Um, and she's trying to fit in as much as she can, but he's like trying to kind of push them out slowly. He starts to kind of grow attached to her son and this kind of relationship develops between the two of them. And the less you know about this film, the better. <laughs> uh, but again, gorgeous cinematography, something that I think there's a lot of, things that are very understated and a lot of the um, themes and story comes out just through visuals, not always the dialogue. And by the end you think you're watching one film and it turns into something else. And like I said, this is the film that I've probably chewed on the most since watching. And I highly, highly recommend it. It's fantastic. Nice. Also on Netflix. Uh, number three for me is uh, the green Knight. Um, from David Lowry, so bad. 
It's uh, <laughs> this was also one of my favorite theater experiences of the year. My brother was so excited to go see this movie. He was looking for this action packed hack, hack and slash. <laughs> um, and instead it's this slow um, methodical um, reflection on the difference between honor and um, legacy. And, you know, it's about the nephew of King Arthur who is trying to get honor. He just wants to be recognized. And so he ends up standing up to the green Knight in the very beginning of the movie, which results in him needing to go and visit him one year later. And so the film follows his journey um, that following year. Again, gorgeous cinematography. The acting is stellar across the board. Um, David Lowry's um, writing is fantastic. The direction is uh, just absolutely fantastic. Um, and again, this is one. Uh, what's funny is I, this is a film that in a lot of my favorite movies end up being where I walk out of the theater and I go, I'm not sure how I felt about that. I think I, I think I liked it a lot. Um, but then as I kind of sit and churn and think through it, those things start to kind of kind of piece together. And I find myself just coming back to that movie. Uh, it was that way with the power of the dog. It's that way with the green Knight, And um, it's amazing. If you haven't seen it, which sounds like a couple of you haven't, uh, I highly recommend it. Um, I'd say buckle up. It's slow, um, <laughs> but it's really, okay. really worth it. All right. Number two is probably one that's going to, I imagine this is going to hit someone's list. Um, and it's one that took me two viewings to fully piece together and fully grasp. This is a big blockbuster that a lot of people were looking forward to. And when I first saw it, I was like, uh, yeah. And then I saw it a second time and I was like, this might be the best movie of the entire year. And that is not Spider-Man No Way Home. It's Dune. <laughs> um, Dune is uh, I watched it the first time I saw it in IMAX was like this is really stunning to look at i don't know how i care about these characters that much and it was kind of hindering my relationship with the film it just felt really cold i didn't feel like there was a lot um to kind of unpack between the interpersonal relationships between the characters and so i kind of found them somewhat distant from each other on second viewing i think i was so overcome the first time by what i was seeing and denis Villeneuve is his like i mean he just doesn't miss i mean the, the guy just blade runner 2049 prisoners um uh geez enemy I, I'm, I'm already missing some sicario i mean the guy is just a rival i mean doesn't oh, miss. Rival, yeah pound for pound he may be our best working director right now of the last 10 years i said it um but uh dune second time around loved everything that i saw the relationships worked a lot better for me because I kind of understood them already. Um, the mo the mother daughter between um, Rebecca Ferguson and Timothy Chalamet was um, I, I really liked that that there is distance there and that coldness that I felt was real, but that's also kind of intended. Um, and I thought that that mm -hmm. was really really um, really smart. I've also not read the book, so I didn't know what to, to expect going in. So I think I was just trying to digest this enormous story. Uh, so yeah, Dune's my number two. Number one, this is this is the one that I'm I could catch heat for, either from some of y'all or in the comments, um, and that's Matrix Resurrections. Oh, yeah. Um, and 
how to say this um matrix resurrections was a movie that was my mo- one of my most anticipated movies so every year on cinemas podcast we do the most anticipated of the year this mm-hmm. was one of my most anticipated movies of 2021 and i went into it nervous um i love the first film the one of the things. greatest action movies ever made uh, and the second and third movies I enjoy very much. They've taken me a long time to kind of churn through what I like, what I dislike. Um, there's there, they are messy films. Um, but I really have grown to connect with them. Matrix resurrections is another one of those movies where I walked out and said, uh, I'm not sure how I felt about that. And as I started to sit and think about it, and piece together what I saw, I realized that this is one that I love. This is the second best Matrix movie. Uh, and the reason that it's the best Matrix movie is because it tries, it's not trying to be another Matrix movie. Uh, it utilizes certain, uh, it utilizes the Matrix. Um, it utilizes mm-hmm. all the pieces that you know. Um, and, but it does it in such a clever way. Um, Lana Wachowski is a genius for, you know, the background of this film is that she, uh, Warner brothers said, we're making a fourth matrix movie with or without you. And Lily and Lana Wachowski basically had to say, all right, do we want to step in and, and take care of what we created or do we want to just let them run with it? And so, um, initially they said, we're not going to do anything. We're not going to be involved. And then when they realized it was going on with or without them, Lana jumped in, worked on the script and it becomes a commentary about creating legacy sequels and why a fourth matrix movie doesn't work and why it isn't necessary. So like it's whole existence is to say we shouldn't even be here. Um, And like the matrix itself in the film becomes a commentary on legacy sequels. So the meta aspect is genius, but also I really loved how it moved the characters forward um, in different ways, but also treated itself almost as a way to kind of recontextualize some aspects of the first three films that in my opinion, actually make them better and more richer films. Um, Mm -hmm. It looks really good. Um, There's some interesting use of uh, bullet time, which in the beginning kind of had me like, I don't know if I like the visuals of this, but by the end I was like, I love this style choice. It's so weird. Yeah. Um, but I feel like I could gush for about all five of these movies for yeah. a long time. So I'll stop. But yeah, so those are my five. Nice. Really great choices. Oh, yeah. And um, I'm looking at the comments right now. I, I have to, read <laughs> I have to read it first off. Um, can tombstone be the movie of the year? It should be movie movie of the year every year. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm a Tombstone fan, so I, yeah, I love that same. comment. Um, let's see. Watched Power of the Dog. Loved it. Dune was good. I grew up on the original. And, oh, no way. Not Matrix Resurrection. Uh, Bean was up with – up. he was with you till number one. And then we have I'm, another Dune was I'm a great I'm sorry. Movie. At that point, we had to part. but it was a fun ride while that lasted right hey if y'all want to take the blue pill and say that matrix resurrections is bad i'll accept (laughs) it but if you want to join me with the red pill i'm i'm arms wide open yeah well it's really gonna be so different because never seen a matrix movie so what it's still bizarre man like uh, 
Ever. Hey, okay. Matrix was still better than Dune, and I never even saw the Matrix. Pause. <laughs> oh. Okay, pause. How have you not seen the Matrix? Uh, just, never seen uh, it. it just and just like by choice, or is it like at this point, it's like uh, a just, flag in the sand. Like I will well, never watch this. Or, wait, either oh, one of the theaters probably is. Just, I never. Either one of us. I never saw oh, wow. the appeal back then. It just didn't didn't grab me like that. I mean, if somebody Same. sat me down to watch them, I'd yeah, sure, no problem. But I just it didn't. I didn't do it. You know, it's like, a four to watch. Back to lo- back. love Keanu Reeves. You know. It's oh, just, man, and I still is. like it better than that new Dune movie. Like, <laughs> oh, wow. That, no, it, it didn't do it for me at all. And you know, wow. I mean, for me, I, I tried watching Matrix uh, this year, actually, the first one, and I fell asleep um, less than halfway through it. Um, I, When I was younger, I, was, I worked at Suncoast, uh, the movie motion picture company, and they had the ultimate Matrix uh, collection for Black Friday. It had every Matrix movie, and a Matrix, everything. That. And it had the yeah. little bust and of Kia of Neo. The little bust and the, the little case yeah. in the in the cat the plastic yeah. case. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they had it for twelve bucks for Black Friday, and I bought Ooh. it, and I kept it for years unopened, and I never never watched it. And then I just I don't know what I did with it. I sold it or gave it away or something. Um, <laughs> but I had intentions to watch it because of Keanu Reeves, and I heard such great things about it. It just never happened. Um, I'll say this: it's on HBO Max right now in four K, and I am. Uh, now rewatch. So I rewatched all three movies before I went and saw it. Mm-hmm. I've seen it twice now, and I'm now rewatching all three movies again. So yeah. and they look amazing in 4K. So if you want to watch it, all four movies are on HBO Max in 4K. They're gorgeous. So now, given your choices, I have to go with what who I think is going to be the polar opposite. So Jason, can you give <laughs> us your top five? <laughs> you Start with number five. five. See, see, I'm a simple guy. I'm a, I'm a real simple guy. But, uh, <laughs> You know, okay. my number five, my number five is going to be the uh, Shang-Chi movie. Was it the Ten Rings? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Great movie. You know, we get a different kind of superhero. Uh, action sequences were great. Uh, Aquafina was awesome. To me, she made that movie like like that girl. I love that girl, you know. Um, but all in all, a good storyline. Um great movie uh a new different kind of like it was like kind of like black panther like you get a different kind of marvel movie and it it really wowed me you know like not your typical superhero flick and number four number four i'm gonna say is ghostbusters uh ghostbusters afterlife um that one and that one was pretty up there for me you know like uh i'm a nostalgia geek you know and once those old uh, Ghostbusters came on the screen, I was like, ah, screaming. And I screamed even more <laughs> high-pitched once uh, you see the Egon Spengler ghost. I'm like, wow. And that was such a great tribute to him, you know, to the late Harold Ramis. Oh, and yeah. I like really kept the Stay Puffs as part of, like, the nostalgia. And Zool with that 80s uh, flat top, uh, was it not Sinead O'Connor? Uh, the 80s rock chick kind of hairstyle. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the nostalgia vibes were firing on all. That was uh, Olivia Wilde, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it looked like her. Yeah, that movie was wild, all right. Yeah, but uh, awesome movie, like, and that one's pretty up there for me. Like, I, I was bouncing around with a few, but uh, number three, number three is the Jungle Cruise, because uh, I mean, I feel like they've given us a Pirates of the Caribbean type, like that one could go into a couple of series. And being a fan of the ride, like, I mean, I was going to see it regardless. It's Disney and it's The Rock, you know, like, what's not to love? But 
Jungle Cruise was always one of my favorite rides as a kid. You know, it was like one of the first rides oh, I went on in Disneyland. As yeah, exactly. And I thought the animals were real back then. You know, and then like you get older <laughs> and you get a smart ass uh, tour guide, and he's like, "Oh, we're lucky that tiger's bolted down." I'm like, "Wow." If I was a kid and I heard you say that, like, <laughs> douchebag, you know? But then we get this movie based off of it, and uh, they worked it in really well because he's still giving the tours and everything, but then you get the uh, Aguirre and all those uh, dead, undead conquistadors, and that's what brought the whole Pirates of the Caribbean feel to me. And it just, and the Metallica score, like, that just made that, that was really right cool. there. Like, wow. Like, once you hear that at the beginning, you're like, oh, this is going to be good. Just a score can make or break a movie as well, you know? Like, mm-hmm. like the music to me is just as important in the movie. And that just, because I don't know if you guys ever seen Birdman. That music was just awful oh, yeah. in there. That was horrendous as yeah. shit. And like, <laughs> it, it makes a movie like, but you put a Metallica score like that in there and that take on it, it's like, wow. And then you just combine it all. Um, that was a good number three for me. Jungle Cruise. And I hope we. I was about to say, more. oh, I love the score in Birdman. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't surprise me. <laughs> Very <laughs> different <laughs> views. Talk, talk about polar opposites. That's exactly. That's, fine, that's okay. Yeah. 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 Exactly. All that's right. why y'all have me on just... here. Y'all could beat me up. I got it. <laughs> Usually we beat up Kevin, so that's great. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, that's good. We found a new Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. So what's number, next? That was number three for me, right? Three. Uh, number two. A lot of people are probably going to yeah. disagree with me, but my number two was uh, Suicide Squad. Like, hey, there you I go. just freaking yeah. love that movie. You know, like it yeah, was starry. Yeah, it's a big freaking starfish and oh, is very cool. comic accurate. And like, you get Polka Dot Man and uh, what's it, John Cena playing Peacemaker. Like who I thought yeah. nailed it, you know. I was so glad he killed uh what's it general what's it general flag. flag with a piece of the oh toilet. yeah, me I'm too. Like, this was badass, like that fight. But the the part that made it the most for me was like when polka dot man's like I see her and they're aware everywhere, and then all <laughs> of them mom's. were like his mom, you know, like that's and, and when he's picturing like the giant star, all of a sudden he pictures his mom tearing apart the city. I'm like, was it was me. it was a lot of fun, right? Like, yeah, it was like just said, this I over still... the top, like really over the top with the gore and the violence, and and the Stallone as King Shark just totally did it, you know, like um, um, bird. You yeah, know, that was that was choice. quite a James. That was a James Gunny James Gun film. Very oh James yeah, Gunny. yeah. So he he nailed it. And Starro, and a lot of people, oh, the villain's just like a big state. But read the comics, assholes. I mean, like, it's Starro, and they did him, they did him yeah. very well in there, you know? They did him perfectly. They did. Yeah. Yes. And what you knew, once you saw those astronauts with the little baby Starro, you knew what was going to happen. And then just once we got that big one, and when he, like, raises his armpit and all oh. those little starfish <laughs> come out, like, it's making that noise. I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was, I think oh, there was yeah. a girl that we were there for movie for uh opening night, and there was a girl in there that like she was already pounding a few shots in there, and uh she threw up at the end of the movie because that scene where Harley jumps into the eye. Oh, really? Beer, like she was, I, I looked at her, I'm like, I'm glad I'm not sitting in front of her. <laughs> and we seen her go out to the side exit, one of those like exits, and blah, I'm like, wow, I guess Starro got you too. <laughs> but yeah, that that suicide squad was good. I that that's a good number two for me. 
And uh, number one for me was obviously Spider-Man. Like I had been hyped all year for that one and it did not disappoint. You put uh, the best one, probably the best Spider-Man movie villain period in there, which is the Alfred Molina, Dr. Octopus. Mm -hmm. Then everything else just kind of comes together nice and well. And uh, just the three Spider-Mans, they each had their own moments and it just totally nailed it. But to me, it was just seeing all the different villains from all the different, you know, universes on screen uh, that totally did it for me. And they ended it in a nice way, left a lot of doors open like they should have. So, of course, Spider-Man was going to be number one. There you go. No, I, I really appreciate your list. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'm going to make Kevin wait because he's our entertainment editor. So we're going to save Kevin for last. So um, good. I'm, I'm going to jump in and I'll do my... Top five, um, it's going to be somewhat similar to Jason's in ways. Um, no surprise there. But let me see. We do have some good comments. Uh, Shang-Chi snuck up on me as a great movie last year. Mm-hmm. So good. Um, we got another Power of the Dog. And then Willem Dafoe brings back the Goblin. The highlight of the movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. Willem Dafoe was amazing. Agreed. All right. So if I, had to, if I could do like a top ten, I would be putting movies like uh, Eternals would have popped up in there um and suicide squad would have popped up in there uh but for top five we're starting with number five and number five for me is nobody with bob odenkirk um and this was a movie that surprised me because i mean i watched it because it's bob odenkirk it's better call saul you know breaking bad and you got this just john wick-esque you know knockdown drag out film with some very gruesome scenes um, but also, like, or you know, you had a real connection to the guy, and I don't know if it's just because who he is as an actor, or just a well-written script, but it worked so well, and I loved that movie. I thought it was uh, right when I saw it, I knew it was going to be one of the best of the year, and um, for me, it lands at number five. Uh, number four is Marvel Shang Chi. Uh, it was just so so enjoyable like jason said it was that different kind of marvel movie we got to have more humor in there we got new faces in there um we got a really cool villain with the mandarin cracking jokes on you know one of my worst marvel movies iron man 3 uh so i loved that ha kevin yeah um because <laughs> I, I know how much he loves it but i it, like it iron man so 3 I, I i know you hey. do I'm right there with you, Kevin. Let's yeah, get beat up you, together. Thank you. Of course, of course <laughs> <we do. laughs> but um, no, Shang-Chi was very, just so well done. Um, I love that we have this new breed of hero coming in. And we saw it with Eternals too. We have these this new breed of heroes starting to come in. Um, nothing wrong with Thor and Captain America and all that. But it's so cool to see new faces. So Shang-Chi oh, yeah. gets my number four. Uh, number three is Jungle Cruise. Um it's it was probably the most fun I had at the theater. It's just such a fun film. Uh, the Rock just owns it. I loved the beginning where you had the the corny kind of lines, just like they would have on the Jungle Cruise. Um, it was perfect. I loved every bit of it. Um, even if there was no film, no sequel coming, it didn't need it. It was perfect. Um, but there are sequels coming apparently. Oh, they're making so, sequels. They are. Yep, it already got greenlit. More cruises, let's go. <laughs> Absolutely, you know. Uh, so, you know, I, uh, to me, it kind of fills the void of that uh, Indiana Jones, The Mummy, National Treasure. Oh, yeah. um, we don't really have that right now. Uncharted might even be part of that. We don't know. We'll find out. But for right now, it's filling that void. I loved it. I thought uh, Emily Blunt and The Rock were amazing. 
like Jason said, seeing the Conquistadors in there and the amazing soundtrack to it. Uh, it had to be, it was number one for a while for me, for the top five. Um, number two is Kevin's favorite movie this year. And it's Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yes, um, I did not dislike Ghostbusters <laughs> at all. But he, but he did. Oh. Uh, but so, I mean, Jason already talked about Ghostbusters Afterlife. It, it is a nostalgia trip. Um, but they had so many fresh elements going on in there. You know, Paul Rudd's just Paul Rudd, and you know, anytime you have him on screen, he's he's a joy to watch. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And I'm so glad they went the direction of not just like making him a Ghostbuster like. Give him a supporting role. It's fine. Um, but we really saw the kids kind of take center stage on that. And then, of course, you know, the the tribute to Harold Ramis, which was amazing. So uh, that movie stole the show for me. I absolutely loved it. I'll be buying the 4K one when it comes out. I'm ready for it. And Are you going to get that one, full set? Are you going to get that full yeah. set that's coming out? I, well, yeah, I think I will. That's a big I don't, dog. I don't, think I, have, I don't think I have the other ones on there. I don't think I have the other... No, I don't have 4K on the other one, so I do. I need to get it. So There we go. Number one is going to be the same as Jason. It's Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, no way. We, we <laughs> talked about Spider-Man at the last podcast. And, I mean, Spider-Man and G.I. Joe Special Missions were my first comic books ever. So mm-hmm. Spider-Man will always hold, you know, a place in my heart right there. Until and Special see, Missions comes out with the movie, right? Then, then forget about it. Yeah, you get G.I. Joe Special Missions and... Just wait. Um, but it, it fired on all cylinders. You know, you brought back all the Spider-Men. Um, you brought back the villains in a great way. You made a movie that didn't feel long at all because you were just enjoying it all mm-hmm. the way. Um, it To me, it's the second best Spider-Man movie of all time. It's the best movie of the year. And uh, it is destroying the box office. And it's making Sony a hell of a lot of money right now. So I I can be happier with this, with this, you know, new relationship with Sony and Marvel and working together on this. Uh, It can only mean something great for the fans. So as an audience member who went to see it, you know, I'm just overjoyed by it. And I think my pick is probably a lot of people's picks, you know, because it was, it was a lot of fan service, but it was done right. So that is my top five. Um, Let's see. I see Jason Bean says he has problems giving superhero movies uh, uh, a spot in his top ten. You know, I think a lot of people think that way, but if it if it connects it. to you, that's all that matters. Like that almost to me that almost hits like the people that say like, well, you can't tell real stories in comic books. Yes, you can. Let let me show you a list of real stories in comic books. You know, so mm-hmm. um, I agree. Some people like to, they, they do see it. They do see it as its own genre. Like oh, you're a superhero flick. But personally to me, I'm like, no, like you can watch it. And it's just like, wow. Like, like Watchmen is not going to be in the same category as Spider-Man No Way Home. No, um, Watchmen's a kid's movie. It's just not Watchmen. a kid's movie. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, but we all have our own opinions, and I do appreciate everybody's opinion on that. But now I'm going to turn this over to our entertainment editor, Mr. Kevin Hoskinson. Let us all know right. your time. Right, this better be good, man. Yeah, thank you. So let's start with my bottom five. All right, Ghostbusters. <laughs> um, Every Star no, Wars that ever existed. <laughs> What's that? Every Star Wars that ever Every existed. Star- <laughs> we'll keep The Last Jedi and get rid of everything else. Yes. Hey, there we go. There you go. Um, all right. So um, I still want to boot you out right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
we can talk about Last Jedi if you guys want. No, we can't. No. That's a whole <laughs> other topic. If you <laughs> want to, I got my I Rose Tico glass. Brandon's very Rose Tico glass. Can I see it? Oh, you're, you're, he really so does. Can, okay. Can I break We're, it now? <laughs> we'll do a special. We'll do a special Last Jedi one. I promise. Oh, okay? we, hey, if you ever want, hey, we will. If yes, y'all ever want me? I got the yeah. poster right here on the wall. <laughs> I believe you. Um, <laughs> so Kevin, gonna, go right ahead. <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat just a little bit, uh, like Brandon did earlier. But I kind of already said, you know, my number six. This one was a really tough list to just pick five. I was really, really kind of had it set for a while, and then I just kind of had to let a certain, you know, a certain movie simmer a little bit to see if it was gonna make my top five for the year. Um, and it did, and it kicked this movie out of the top five, which was Malignant. I love Malignant. Oh. Malignant um, such a an amazing movie james wan is incredible and uh yeah so that one's that one would have been my number five if a certain movie hadn't come out later on in the year which we'll get to um yeah so let's start with actually number five so pretty much every movie on this list except for one i was like pretty much surprised by they just caught me off guard i wasn't expecting to like them as much as i did um so the first one on my list was a Sitting down watching TV, decided to turn on Apple TV Plus and put on this movie called Coda, which means child, children of deaf, a child of deaf adults. Um, this movie totally caught me off guard. I was not expecting to feel the emotions I did. I had knew nothing about the movie at all. I had not seen a trailer. I had not seen the only thing I had seen was the poster, you know, on the Apple TV thing. And for some reason, it wasn't on my radar. And I watched it and I was just blown away by everything from the performances to the just the sweetness of it all. It's a very sweet and touching, like uplifting movie, which is exactly, I think, what a lot of us were looking for this year. And it kind of fits that bill of just being just that kind of movie, the one that can just kind of make you feel all kinds of emotions. But in the end, it's just an uplifting experience. Um the story focuses on a teenage girl named Ruby. She's a, a coda. She's a children of deaf adults. Her whole family's deaf. She has you know, her parents and her brother. They run a fishing company. So they, they live in Massachusetts and she's kind of their interpreter. She kind of runs everything. She's trying to balance that as well as high school and getting into college. She kind of realizes she joins her school choir and she realizes that she loves singing and she's really good at it. Like, really good and the teacher's like hey you should pursue this and go to this prestigious college in new york but then that comes up the dilemma because she's the only hearing person in her family so she needs to help run the family business but she also needs to chase her passion her parents can't hear her sing either so she's kind of like what's the point in doing something if your family can't enjoy it as well you know they, they can't feel the passion from you um it's there's a scene at the end. I'm not going to spoil it, but there's a scene at the end where she, yeah, where she like signs how she feels about singing. And it's just probably one of the, the, it just heart wrenching. It got me right in the feels. And I was just like, this is, this is like, this is incredible. And the whole cast is amazing. Uh, The mom and the dad are, and the brother are all played by deaf actors as well. So oh, wow. they bring a real sense of authenticity to it all. Some of the acting in this movie is just outstanding. Like they have there are these arguments that they have, you know, not a single word being exchanged, but 
it's all there in the body. Everything about it is just there. It's on camera. It's in there. I just absolutely fell in love with that movie. And that's one of my favorites of the year for sure. It was really, really good. Um, all the performances are great and I'm hoping good things for it. Um, yeah. So Coda is my number five. Number four um, is a little tiny movie called Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, that's the one that kind of pushed I've heard um, of it. Malignant out of the way. Um, it was, look, I loved it. Absolutely. It, it was outstanding in every way. Like there was, we've talked about it at length, so I'm not going to get into it too much, but it's definitely probably one of the coolest movies I've seen this year. Like one of the most like, so again, I loved Ghostbusters. Okay. Let's not go there, but this movie did nostalgia and fan service the way that I wish Ghostbusters had where it kind of used it to propel the story forward a little bit more. It didn't, Okay, this is gonna catch me a lot, but I don't. No one's heated. Like, He's like, I know. I don't. I don't feel like you know. In Ghostbusters, I feel like the movie would have it. It would have been the same if you hadn't seen the main guys, right? I feel like there isn't a part of that movie that, if those guys didn't show up, you would be missing out on. If you know what I mean, like you see pictures, photo albums, things like that. But I don't personally feel like there was a moment in there that you had to have those guys in the movie. Right? Uh, the, the Spangler part probably, you know, would be the biggest part. Are you talking ha- about having afterlife here? Yes. Both movies bring in people from the past. So oh, I'm... right, right. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I was talking about afterlife. <laughs> okay, yes. Was I, was I talking about... Okay, sorry, sorry. I, I don't know. I, I was trying to figure it out. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. You didn't I, need I, those guys. <laughs> um, oh, but you didn't need Toby? Like, or I like, okay, yes, I want to jump in because this was... All right. I watched Afterlife today because I knew, um, Nolan, you had mentioned that you loved this movie. And I was like, I want to be able to talk about it. Um, And I actually really liked it up until the last like 30, 40 minutes when it started to just kind of retread the first film where all the Gozer stuff was kind of just the same beats from the first movie um, that I already knew. I already knew general direction of where we were going to go. Um, and then but having the three come back i i agree with you it it didn't add anything to it in fact i felt like it took away from the new characters that we have this great moment where she's standing up to uh gozer which i think is that uh yeah she's standing up to gozer and then she gets helped by spangler which i think alone would have been cool but then the other three coming in kind of I think robs the rest of the group from some of their like power in that final scene. Personally, yeah. my no, and that was kind of my thing too. So like, it, but like ghosts or not ghostbusters, no way home kind of did the opposite where I felt like their characters were essential to helping Tom overcome his, his grief and his loss right. and to not go down this other path, things like that. So that's just how I feel about both of them. I love Ghostbusters. Don't get me wrong. I really did. It's, it will be bought and it will be displayed proudly in my DVD collection. Um, but yeah, Spider-Man No Way Home was my number four. So you um, love Spider-Man No Way Home like you loved your fourth favorite kid. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Yep. It's my, worst, my fourth favorite child. Um, so my number three... Now my, my number three has a has a very I can't cool... wait to see what the top three are. Oh yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> my number three, you know, uh 
again, it's a Netflix movie, or actually it went on Netflix, um, you know, due to the pandemic. I think it was supposed to have a theatrical release. It's an animated movie, but it's just so funny, so charming. It had so many cool elements to it. The soundtrack, the score, the the animation itself was beautiful. And that's the Mitchells versus the Machines, which I... Such a good movie. <laughs> absolutely adore that movie. I think it's... Yeah, isn't it? It's... I took this off my list. I cheated and I call, I got up with I got with Kevin and I was like, "All right, what is this on your list?" And he was like, "Yep." And I was like, "All right, I'm oh, taking it off because I want to let it be yours." Yeah, this movie's uh, so good. Mitchell's versus the machines. Yeah, it's excellent. There's there's not you know the 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 young girl uh, Katie right if I'm not mistaken that was her name Katie. She's you know I I kind of you know, felt a lot of her in me when I was a teenager too. just that excitement of like, I wanted to go to film school, like everything about her was relatable to me, having the family dynamic. Uh, it was just so funny. And the whole like the, the, the dog pig loaf of bread thing just killed me. Absolutely. Like when they're to, that, that was like their defense to kill the robots. Like that was just genius. And the, their ugly dog, the ugly dog was incredible. Everything about that movie was great. The, again i don't know you know i feel like it's a sony animation is doing some really really cool interesting stuff right now with into the spider verse and you know this and i hope they kind of keep on pushing the boundaries and pushing the limits of what they can do with their technology and i think that more than anything though it's it's chris lord and and, uh, oh yeah no lord and chris miller who are just so forward thinking yeah exactly that was gonna be my next thing yeah those guys are absolutely genius and um yeah i hope they just stay stay with sony and just keep on doing what they're doing and it's yeah so mitchell's and the machines my number three mitchell's what a great choice that's such a good choice yeah that is yeah thank you for for choosing that that's it was such a good movie man yeah it was great it's getting recognition you know and the uh, I'm, i'm a sucker for any movie that has there's a band called sugar rose i don't know if you guys ever heard of them but they had two of their songs playing towards the end of the movie Towards the credits. I think you mean Sugar Ray. Every t- what's that? I know Sugar Ray. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no, no. That's no. what he meant. Oh, Ray. I got you. <laughs> Not Sugar Ray. He just Ray. wants to fly. As, as, as uh, Rebecca knows who they are. Rebecca likes them. We've talked about it. Um, but um, so yeah, that's my number three. Um, my number two Netflix movie. It's actually it's a musical. It was directed by Lin Manuel Miranda in his directorial debut. Uh, he. It's kind of this whole story with with his, uh, you know, connection to the project and everything from the beginning. But uh, the number one performance by Andrew Garfield this year, uh, Tick, Tick, Boom. I think Tick, Tick, Boom is probably one of the most, uh, it's just a really, really well done musical. Like I said, Lin-Manuel Miranda's feature film uh, directing debut. He does a great job. Uh, He... So he has a, anyone who knows me knows I'm a theater nerd. I like theater. I like musicals. Rent is my all-time favorite musical of of all time. Um, Not necessarily the movie, but the Broadway show. This film is about the creator of Rent, Jonathan Larson. Not necessarily about the creation of the show, but kind of his struggles getting to that point. He was a struggling artist in New York. He, um, you know, he wasn't doing very well. You know, he had a, a play that was going to be taken off, but some people liked it. Uh, Steven Sodheim kind of called him up and was like, Hey, you're really good, but maybe we should try something a little bit different. And that kind of inspired him to kind of do something bigger. 
but the whole film is a kind of a, his struggle between, you know, he has the opportunity to kind of find a real job. Like he can find a real job. He can, you know, go do a million other things, but he chooses to, you know, he's a struggling artist. Like his art is his number one priority. So he focuses on his art and in, on, in his path is his, you know, best friend. He moves out. His uh, girlfriend is basically about to dump him. And it just kind of becomes this, this web of, you know, kind of like the basic tortured artist thing. You know, he works as a, as a wait, waiter at a restaurant and stuff. Um, he, uh, unfortunately, so Lin-Manuel Miranda's connection to the show, which I think is very interesting. He saw Rent when it first came out in the 90s. He was 15 years old. Rent inspired him to write musicals. So Rent inspired him to write Hamilton. Rent inspired him to do all these other things. Um, he was even in a Broadway production of Tick, Tick, Boom as Jonathan Larson, like back early in his career. Uh, so it's kind of interesting to see him come full circle and direct the movie about the guy who inspired him to become a writer in the first place. And I just think that really kind of comes through in the movie. Um, Andrew Garfield is just outstanding. I had no idea the dude could sing. Like he has amazing vocals. Everyone in that cast is just incredible. Uh, Vanessa Hudgens is in it. She has a small role, but she's amazing. Um, it's just such an incredible movie and I absolutely loved it. So that's my number two. Um, I see Rebecca's uh, the comment here real quick about West Side Story. Um, I, I dug West Side Story. I think if you like musicals and if you like the original, you'll like this one. Have, have any of you guys seen West Side Story? It is uh, one I had to sacrifice in order to see some other. Oh, oh. Nolan saw it. It's one oh, I sacrificed, but I had. Oh, to see you're it. in the same boat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, mine was more of a sacrifice, no. as in I had to see it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I, 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 I still need to see it. Sunday night football. <laughs> no, I, I I dug it. I thought it was good. I thought Steven Spielberg. I mean, you can't go wrong with with that pedigree. Uh, I'm still kind of stunned that it's Steven Spielberg's first musical. I know it's not something we think of Steven Spielberg and musicals together, but no, for some reason, I would think they snuck something in there. I know he had elements of it, and like, yeah, you know, he got his um, Temple, of, Temple Doom. of Doom and everything. Goes. Even 1941, there was a whole kind of you know some kind of musical stuff in it. But uh, but yeah, that's, I your, like that's your number movie. 18 on the list, huh? That's my number 18. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my number one, um, my number one movie this year, Nolan just watched it and I know Brandon's seen it and I'm not sure if you've seen it, Jason, but uh, number one movie of the year is pig. I absolutely love pig. Pig is such a beautiful moving meditative, just has all these really wonderful elements in it. Now it's not, it's uplifting towards, you know, at the end when it's not uplifting throughout the movie, but you know, of course, you know, when things kind of settle down and the dust settles, you could take some solace in what happened and, you know, apply some of it to your own life. You know, it's about overcoming stuff like, you know, grief and loss and, and where to go after you've hit a certain point. Right. Um, I think so Nicholas Cage, you know, plays a truffle pig, you know, farmer. He's, he has a pig that goes out and finds truffles. He lives in the woods out here in, uh, in Oregon. Um, one day his pig goes missing and it's, he has to go, you know, he goes into the Portland, the city and kind of goes on this adventure through the night, you know, of, you know, this weird culinary underworld of Portland, 
which I think is really cool. So, uh, yeah, that's cool to see. <laughs> yeah, it's very cool to see. And and listen, I know we've kind of come to a point in Nicolas Cage's career where it seems like he's almost, I hate to use this term, but he's it seems like he's almost parodying himself at points. You know, he's just, he he's in on the joke. He knows what's going on. We're in a but Nick this, Cage renaissance. This we is, are. We're back. We're back. We're back. And 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 this movie just really cemented like it makes us remember why he won an Oscar, you know, back in the 90s. You know, he is an incredible actor and he's just outstanding uh, in it. Uh, the whole cast is great. And again, it's this really quiet, meditative kind of journey of self-discovery and figuring out what to do with your life after that. Um, the the kid, he kind of, you know, that helps him out. I'm blanking on the name right now, and I'm going to be hate myself for blanking on the name. But um, it's a uh, wolf. Wolf, yes. That uh, yes, wolf. That wolf. He's got yeah, a Nat brother. I, I can't remember. <laughs> I think it's Nat Wolf. Yeah, from he Hereditary. Is, no, it's Alex. I think this is Alex, isn't it? He was an there old, it is. right? Yeah. Um, this Alex Wolf is outstanding. He's just this new, you know, up and coming kind of uh, truffle guy who kind of deals with Nicolas Cage's character to sell the truffles to fancy restaurants in Portland. Um, there's a whole drama between him and his dad. I don't want to get into that too much, you know, spoil any of that, but he's outstanding. Him and Nicolas Cage together are great. Uh, it's got some, you know, really, it's got some heartbreaking moments. It's got some funny moments. It's got some, um, just some brutally honest moments, but yeah. uh you know, the trailers and everything make it out to look like it's going to be like this John Wick kind of revenge thriller, mm-hmm. but it completely subverts that and turns it into something completely different. So good. It's it's amazing. It's incredible. And I'm also a sucker for movies that have, you know, I don't know if you guys ever like, you know, appealed, you know, or, uh, you know, attracted to a movie because of the aesthetic of it you know it's just got this really good feel to it it's kind of a comfort kind of thing to it i don't know if it's because i live in the pacific northwest or not but it captured that perfectly like in the woods like when you're going hiking at you know eight o'clock in the morning that's what it's like you know it's like just this really beautiful you know they they captured the the moss and and everything they captured how it feels the dampness the all of it was was great um so pig my number one i recently just watched it too i watched it again this weekend and it's still it's just it blows me away every time and it's only like it it's only an hour and a half it's not very long it's the perfect length it doesn't have any fat on it it just gets to it just kind of moves at a pace and just you know it works completely apt metaphor yeah um Yeah. yeah i mean for anyone who hasn't seen pig i mean it's almost like if you take like Gotham City's underworld and just replace it with chefs and waiters, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and instead of drugs, people are moving ingredients. Yeah, like it sounds so corny if you just talk about it that way. But when you're watching it, it feels super authentic and it feels very tangible. It does. I mean, without spoiling anything, there is an underground fight club that goes on at oh, one yeah, point, dude. and when you find out who's fighting who, I was like, this movie rules, man. <laughs> yeah it's it's so good and yeah yeah, nick cage's performance i was like boom that is it that is so good and i want more revenge movies quote-unquote revenge movies um from nick cage he was in mandy a couple years a few years ago which is so good if you haven't seen that which one was it mandy oh mandy mandy's incredible 
yeah, Mandy is a freaking <laughs> roller Dude, we coaster. We need to have a Nicolas Cage episode, man. There's so much. Uh, uh, Color Out of Space oh, yeah. was freaking. First, Color it's got to be the last Jedi one. What are performance? Dude, I love Color, Color Out of Out Space. space. Uh, reminded me a lot of his performance in Mom and Dad. Have you seen Mom and Dad? Dude, Mom and Dad, yeah. Like, well, that was, I think Mom and Dad was the first time where we collectively said, oh, wait, we just need to channel this crazy exactly. Cage stuff into something. Exactly. So, yeah, Mom and Dad is wild if you haven't seen that. Mom and That's Dad a good is one. fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, I really I like your list, Kevin, and I really liked your number one. I think that's an awesome pick. Um, and thank you to everybody you know who's put their list today, and also who's uh, pig is on Hulu. Them. I think it is on Hulu. I yeah. see it. A, is, I see that's a where I saw it. Thing down here. Yeah, pigs on Hulu. Check it out. You are not going to be disappointed. Nope. Also, um, I see someone. I actually like that movie. He was in Wally's where he fought demonic animatronics. Uh, Wally's Wonderland. <laughs> that was another wild one, man. Yeah, that one was crazy. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for hanging out with us today as we talked about the best of 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep leaving your comments. You have until Sunday, 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and we'll pick one winner to win a pastrami nation combo from Apollo Burger. So that's going to be fun. And as always, visit pastrami mm-hmm. nation for news, reviews, and more. Uh, we always have new stuff popping up. And of course, Brendan, if you can let people know where to find the Cinemass podcast. Yeah, so um, I host the Cinemass podcast. Um, we got some new episodes that we're going to start pumping out here soon. Um, uh, we took a bit of a break. I was shooting my short film, so we kind of slowed down. But now we're back uh, in 2022. Um, you can find us Spotify, Google, anywhere you find your podcast, you can find the Cinemass podcast. Um, we kind of pick a movie or a theme every week, and then we kind of either do our top 10. You know, We have our top 10 Nolan films. We have... Um, an episode we do something we call movie virgins where someone who's never seen a popular film like Nolan never seeing the matrix Nolan and Jason never seen the matrix that would be a fun one <laughs> that would where be- <laughs> we talk for about 10 minutes before the person sees the movie and then we watch it and then we get right back right after um, and talk through the movie and it's super fun watching someone watch a kind of iconic movie we have one where my brother watches seven for the first time <laughs> I remember that was oh, rad um so yeah we do all sorts of fun stuff about movies yeah we just love movies on the cinemas podcast so if you uh love movies i'd say check us out yep all right everybody make sure you check that out and uh, i want to thank jason kevin and brandon for being here today i really do appreciate it our first podcast of 2022 anytime Um, 2021 was a blast and i look forward to what everything we do moving forward for pastrami nation and collaboration with cinemas podcast everything we can do to just enjoy this year so thank you again everybody and we will see you in two weeks all right take care